Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our, and from our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are almost to Christmas. Last, last Sunday in the Advent season, and we get one more text speaking of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is a very curious character, very curious person within our uh, story of salvation from Scripture. He's very curious and very strange because he's not, well, quite normal. <laughs> a little strange, right? Uh, he wears uh, camel's hair and he eats, uh, and he eats, uh, he eats locusts and wild honey, and he lives out in the desert, and he tells people all kinds of things about who is to come. And he's so strange and very striking that people come to him and they say, who are you? As if they are fascinated by him, because he is a fascinating kind of guy. They say, who are you? But that's not just a question of what's your name, where are you from? It is, who are you in terms of the history and salvation of our people? Implied there is, are you the Messiah? And so John, very interesting here that uh, it's, um, it's recorded that he confessed. He did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. It's not as if he was the Christ and denied it. He made the confession and said, I am not the Christ. And they said, are you Elijah? I am not. Well, what do we do with that? Because Jesus does say that, you, that people say that John is, is the prophet that is to come before the Christ, and he says that he is, right? But John doesn't seek that title for himself. He doesn't see himself that way. He has it bestowed on him by Jesus. Are you the prophet, the capital P, prophet, the one that would come who would be like Moses from our text from uh, Deuteronomy? Right, that God will raise up for you a prophet like Moses from among you, from, from among your brothers. It is to him you shall hear. And he says, no, I'm not the prophet. Who are you then? I am a voice of one crying out in the, the, the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah has said. What comes next is pretty interesting. As they say, why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answers them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. In essence, John the Baptist is preaching to us here and now. That there is one that is in our midst that we do not know. And what I mean by that is that Jesus is everywhere, is he not? He is God. He's omnipotent. 
He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And he is working in and through all things. There is one among us whom we do not know by ourselves apart from faith. And even then, with faith, we struggle to realize that Jesus is with us wherever we go. Good and bad, what we do, right? Watching what we do, good and bad. So there's something I'd like to ask y'all. It's a good test of your conduct as a Christian. Has there been any time in this last week, let's just go with the last week. Has there been any time in this last week that you could think back on doing something, saying something, and if Jesus were to show up at that moment and say, what are you doing? Would you be ashamed? Let that sink in for a minute. He's everywhere. He is watching us. There's a, <laughs> there's a sign that some people have that's in their homes that Jesus is the silent guests for all things. I forget exactly how it goes, but it's Jesus is everywhere. He hears every conversation and he sees everything. And whenever I saw that at first, I was like, wow, that's, that's creepy. <laughs> that's just really, that's really creepy. What, Jesus is watching me? Where, even in places I don't want him to be? Yeah, he's watching he keeps a watch on you, and he works for all things for the good of you, for those who love God, right? But your sinful flesh doesn't want you to know Jesus. Your sinful flesh desires to give in to all kinds of temptation, right? This is the opposite of John the Baptist, right? I'll get to him in a second, but for us, again, think back. Just this last week, not this last month or this last year, this is last week, maybe the last couple days. Was there something you did where if Jesus showed up and said, what are you doing? What are you reading? What are you watching? Would you be ashamed? We'd like to believe that, well, Jesus doesn't watch me when I'm doing that or when I'm in this place or saying that thing, God kind of turns a blind eye. We may not say it out loud, but maybe we should start saying these things out loud. And then we see how kind of crazy it is, right? Well, God doesn't watch me when I do that. <laughs> really? Oh, man, your own words condemn you. It's crazy. But our own sinful flesh doesn't want us to know that Jesus is in our midst. But John the Baptist, he is a good example that we really should Pay attention to. He's this wild man that shows up, this provocateur who shows up and out of, seemingly out of nowhere, right, comes and says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. And then he sees people coming that he knows who they are and he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Repent in keeping, in bearing good fruit, Right? And he is totally lacking in concern for the world's opinion. He does not care what the world thinks. He does not care what the world says. He doesn't even care about his own life. That he speaks out against power, 
and it winds up costing him his head. But he doesn't just speak passively. He doesn't speak idly. He speaks directly. And he says, you need to repent. You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Turn away from your sins. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. Right? So what is the way of the Lord? If we are to be more like John the Baptist, I'm not saying we have to go out and live out in the wilderness. I'm not saying we have to wear camel's hair and have the strange diet that he does. I mean, um, it was good enough for him. It might sustain us, but I don't know about me. I don't think I could live off of locusts and wild honey all the time. I think I'd get a little bored. But he sets a good example for us. He prepares the way of the Lord. He makes it straight by faith, right? Preparing the way for the Christ. And that's what we're doing, right? We should be more like John the Baptist because Christ is coming back someday, right? Advent is a time where we not only prepare for Christmas, but again for the second coming of Christ on the last day. What are we doing to prepare? Do you have more times where if Jesus showed up and said, what are you doing? Do you have more times where you'd be ashamed than not? Again, a good place to start. What is the way of the Lord that we should prepare it? Well, the way of the Lord is the sacrifice of Jesus and the life that it gives. Prepare and make it straight. Prepare that way. Because to just simply do better things, to be nicer, to say kind things apart from faith is useless, right? But knowing Christ means knowing his all-atoning sacrifice. If you think that Jesus is just a good teacher, he was just a really good man, but you don't believe that he died on the cross to forgive your sins, you don't know Jesus. You don't know him. He is still one that is in your midst you do not know. But knowing him means knowing his death, his sacrifice, his cross. To know his sacrifice for your sin means to know the life that it gives. Let's unpack that a little bit. His death brings new life, not only for him, but for you. And this new life is not just when you die. It's not just in heaven. It is right now. You have a new life to live right now, here and now, in this place where God has placed you amongst the people that he has put you with. To know his death means to know your new life in him. Now, how do you live? How are you to live now as a new creation in Christ? How are you to prepare the way of the Lord? Because his way has purpose when there are those who walk in it. If there was no one walking along God's way, what's the point? If we all just say that we're Christians, but we don't act like we're Christians, we don't sound like we're Christians, then what are we really doing? We're just paying lip service to our faith. And think about it this way. We are Christians. We are small Christs to people. 
that when people see us and they know we're a Christian and we are hypocritical, gossips, slanderers, covetous, you know, we are idolatrous, what do they think about Jesus? How are we reflecting Christ with what we say and what we do? What are we doing to tarnish Jesus? And what are we doing to give glory to him? It's worth paying attention to. Because there is one who is coming, the strap of whose sandals we are not worthy to untie. And how is he going to see us? First, we must begin with faith, right? We as Christians, we who are gathered here in church, should be told, now that you are a Christian, now that you are a child of God, baptized and washed in his name, cleansed of all your sin, how do you live now? Because the notion of the way includes the idea of being a a disciple of Christ. So it involves discipline. How do you discipline yourself to prepare the way of the Lord? Well, I don't know if you have any pens in your uh, chairs there, but there's a special place in your, uh, your, your, your bulletin for notes. And if you've never used the notes portion there, maybe you want to write some of these things down. Because um, I, don't, I don't really do this very often to give you exact things. And maybe I should try more often to say what practically we can do as Christians. But if you have a pen, uh, and if you'd like this later on, you don't have a pen, you don't want to write this down, we can talk about this later. That's fine. There are ways that we can prepare the way of the Lord and to become a disciple of the way and to walk in it. The first way is to resolve at once By God's help, that's very important, right? By God's help, resolve at once to break off every known sin, however small, right? Never spare a small sin. Because in reality, is there such thing as a small sin? That if we overlook one thing, if we say, well, you know, I really like watching that show. (laughs) Even though it's got some things I wouldn't necessarily be proud of Jesus knowing about. Well, I don't really know. I I really like reading that book. Or I really like, you know, saying these things. Or or, um, I really like thinking about where I could be. And I I I don't want to call it coveting, but I'm desiring a better station in life and not being thankful for where I am today. We should resolve at once to examine ourselves. We have the Ten Commandments. We have the Ten Commandments to tell us where we fall short exactly. And it's not just to beat you down. It's not just to have you take one quick glance and say, well, okay, I see where I've messed up generally. Let's get down to specifics. What is it that you hold on to that you shouldn't? What is it that you should prune away in your life? What is it that you should do without because it's not giving glory to God? Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. Come to church. Confess your sin in your heart. Be absolved and resolve to repent and do away with those things. Because the smallest thing that we know about, right, that we knowingly hold on to can lead us 
to hell eventually. So it's important that we examine ourselves and we resolve to break off all those sins by God's help. Now, the next thing we can do is resolve by God's help to shun everything which may prove the occasion of sin. All right? That's, again, getting back to how do you spend your time? What do you do with your spare time? Don't be idle because idle hands are the devil's workshop, right? As the saying goes. What is it that you're doing with your time? Because with every single thing that we do, with every sin that we give way to, that we don't confess and be forgiven of, with all those things, they build up over time and they build up a bad habit. That if we are in certain places we really shouldn't be at because we have a certain inclination towards sin, we should shun those places. It's like saying, if you're an alcoholic, but your profession is a bartender, you probably should stop being a bartender, right? Find another place of work. Find another place to be so that you don't fall into temptation. We pray that God would deliver us from temptation, but if we don't do what we can by his help to avoid these things, then we just wind up testing God in a sense. So, resolve by God's help to shun everything which may prove an occasion of sin. Don't be idle with your time. Think about where you are. The next thing is, 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 is resolve never to forget the eye of God. This gets back to Jesus watching us whatever we do. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. He is watching you wherever you go. So never spend your time in such a way that you would not like to have God say, what are you doing? I think I've touched on that enough right now. Let it sink in for a bit. The next thing is to be diligent in the practice of your Christianity. Being a Christian means that you do certain things that Christians do. That means that Christians go to church. Now, People might be upset in our day and age because they'll say, I can find God wherever I go and because God is everywhere, but he has promised to be in a certain place. God is a God that works through means, right? He works through people. He works through his word and his means of grace in the sacraments, in baptism and Holy Communion. Don't despise the means of grace. Resolve right now not to miss church on a Sunday in the fellowship of God's people. This is where God has promised to be, right? He has promised to be in this place. And since we are preparing the way of the Lord, and what happens when the Lord comes is that those who are righteous in his sight by faith are welcomed into his banquet, into his feast, right? And what we have here is a foretaste. It's a preparation. It's getting ready. That what goes on in here prepares you for what is to come in Christ. So resolve to be, to be, to be, be diligent in the practice of your Christianity. 
come to Bible study, come to the men's groups, come to come come to 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 Mary Martha. Come and join in God's people wherever they gather for your good. And the last thing I have on my list here is is um, is to resolve that wherever you are, you will pray. Pray. Be sure that no time is so well spent as that which you spend on your knees. The feeling that we must cry out to God for mercy and peace is a mark of our salvation, right? It's the mark of a Christian that you desire to pray, that when bad things happen, you say, Lord, have mercy. That when good things happen, you say, thanks be to God. God be thanked and praised, right? It's a sign that you are a Christian, that the feeling that we must cry out to God is a sign that we are his. And the habit of spreading before him our soul's needs is the evidence, one of, one of the evidences that we have the spirit of adoption as his children, right? So resolve that wherever you are, you will pray, get into the habit. These are just a few things you can do to prepare to try, and if you'd like, this is my why I'm here after all, if you hear something of the things that I've said today, you wanna talk more about them, I would love to sit and talk about how you might be able to do these things. I would love to sit and talk about how you can be diligent in your life as a Christian. So if you want to come up to me after the service, you can give me a call. I, I text, I do email, I do all these things. You can get in touch with me and say, Pastor, I really would like to resolve to shun everything which may prove me to sin, which, which may prove for the occasion to sin. Pastor, I'd like to remember and, 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 and resolve by God's help to break off all the sins that I have that I know about, right? However small they are. Please help me in that quest. And I'd be glad to. Because we have to encourage each other. We cannot do this alone. We as God's children must band together as his family. And we have to prepare his way. Together. Not separately, but together. Because to know Christ is to know the way. Ultimately, he guides you into all truth and life. In all these things, I'm not asking you to do these things apart from faith and apart from God's grace, because without those things, we can't do anything. Do these things knowing that God is the one guiding you, that Christ is the one who, who gives you his strength, who gives you his life that he has won by his blood, by his death, and by his 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 resurrection, so that by this, his way is not a burden, but a joy, that it's no longer a have to, but I get to, right? As you prepare for his coming at the last. For we have to prepare, and these are just a few things, and I pray that God would grant us his grace to do them. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.